You're listening to the free preview episode of On Belief, a podcast about cults by Karen Geyer. To hear the entire episode, go to patreon.com forward slash Karen Geyer, K-A-R-E-N-G-E-I-E-R, and sign up. It's only $5 for the entire series. This is On Belief, a podcast about cults by Karen Geyer. Season 3, Episode 1, Political Cults of the 60s. When you think about cults in the 60s and the 70s, it's always under the lens of peace and love and hippy-dippy ideas, but that's not the only way that people got indoctrinated into high-pressure groups during this time. Today, my guest is going to take you through three groups that were not exactly hippy-dippy, but were definitely politically-based cults of the 1960s and the 70s. My guest today is Toby Alloway, a political campaigner from England and the host of and host of the Impressions of America podcast. Welcome, Toby. Toby, set the scene for us. What was going on in the late 50s, early 60s that led to these political cults that we're going to talk about today? If we want to talk about the political movements that cropped up in the 1960s, we first have to go to the 1950s, which really was the decade that birthed them. The the 50s were known for high, high levels of production, high economic growth, a lot of um, suburbanization, um, housing that the, the working class people and lower middle class people were able to afford. And it's sort of like a unitary sort of, um, I would say, nuclear family that was was, was building up that, that at least a, a segment of the American population could buy, buy into. But what was happening under the surface was, I think, a real discontent with the sort of racial situation with, with Jim Crow, with some of the, 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 the strictures that the nuclear family was imposing on people. And there was a lot of people like, say, um, Daniel Bell, a sociologist who talked about the 50s being a, a period of no ideology, almost everything under the sun, whether it's economics or social values, was sort of decided upon and everyone sort of agreed and it was this almost a, a calm before the storm period that happened. And I think with the emergence of the civil rights movements and the, the civil rights legislations and in, in 58 and into the 1960s, then you start to see the coming apart of this liberal consensus that had sprung up in the 50s and really a sort of uh, uh, almost like an existential crisis that was emerging in American society, even beyond civil rights into the way people acted, the way people dressed. The, um, in, in the 50s, a lot of um, people would go to psychologists and they would, would talk about not being their true selves. I mean, today, um, much more in, in um, meetings with psychologists about, you know, I'm, I'm not, I haven't found what it is that I'm supposed to do. But back then it was, people really felt that they were being 
that the the strictures of, of, of life in the 50s were really conforming conformist and they had to really conform to a particular way of life but in this in the 60s because all of these things had been bubbling up they sort of came out into the just into the mainstream and, and then you have a lot of differing um, ideologies springing up and on the right and on the left and in in religious circles that really change the American landscape and, and create and increase the amount of, I think, cults in America at the time. Around the same time that we're talking about here, you know, Jim Jones was taking the pulpit. I think it was 1955 he started his church. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize that he became very successful very quickly because he had these integrated services that brought back the old-time revival and the old-time religion and people really loved the showmanship of it they really loved the spectacle of it yeah i mean people like jim jones and um i also would say that the the emergence of the the manson family people like that i think although in the the 50s you do have some uh, religious cults so you do have some cults on the outskirts of american society i think in the 60s they what's different about the cults in the 50s from the cults in the 60s and in the 70s is, is that these cults were now reacting to broader changes that were happening in american life i think the manson family is a really great example because you know, they they based a lot of the the lifestyle that they that that um, Manson had on you know the cultural and social um, effects of rock music. I mean, rock music. I think rock music was almost it was it was un-American in the sense that it it it, it didn't have a sort of form and structure. It was people were you know dazzled by it and, and whipped up into these sort of um, these hazes and into these really giant kinetic spectacles you know people like um jim morrison for example you know he's he like the, the 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 cult of the the snake king you know that the, these these people would drag these young middle class um college kids um, a lot of them were college kids you know they had um, about 15% of the population would go off to these universities and they became less and less structured and, and people were really sort of burrowing into the social justice movements that were emerging and they were becoming less and less attached to the, to the sort of religious um, aspects of American life. And, and, and I think what a lot, I think the engagement with the civil rights movement meant that people were looking really for secular um, solutions to the problems that were happening in life. They were going to these marches. The civil rights movement was very successful in 1964 and 1965 in sort of removing de jure um, racial segregation, especially in the South. I mean, in the North, it was much more to do with the economic issues, but it was very successful and it had sort of basic uh, religious pretense to it. But once the the young people started to realize that their um, civil rights marches and protests were not having the effect that um, they had in, in the, the early civil rights period, now on sort of um, 
de facto segregation in, in the North and on the police brutality, and uh, especially in Vietnam, they were now drawn into much more sort of boilerplate, and I would say more much more cultish and programmatic um, groups like, for example, the Weather Underground, which promised in this in this this heady wave of um, I think revolutionary movements that was happening in in France in the Vietnam in in Angola people were inspired by the Algerian crisis they 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 felt that on the horizon was was I would say a millenarian turn a turn that everybody and Bernadine Dawn from the Weather Underground said that revolution is sweeping all of our lives. Uh, freaks are revolutionaries and revolutionaries are freaks and it was this idea that that just uh, just around the horizon was was this revolution that would completely change this this american society which was based on i say, I, I would say corporate liberalism and i i, I would say a sort of a outward uh, cold war militarism um, which they were reacting against and they were acting as the draft and things like that. But what's interesting about the Weather Underground is that initially it was part of the SDS, the Students for a Democratic Society, that really came out of the civil rights movement. They were a movement on college campuses by people who were active in college politics who wanted to bring uh, more uh, civil liberties to, to black people. But soon, I think, that spurred it into an ideas of Actually, there was, they felt that there was a generalized existential, I would say, malaise that, that existed in American life. A lot of people weren't being their true selves, and, and that sort of spurred into people reading books by um, sort of like people like Sartre and, and, and other people from Europe. And people really, it was sort of like people were trying to open up their minds. In, in, in a way, and I think that the activism went from civil rights activism to activism on gay rights, to activism on other civil civil liberties, and then to activism uh, against the Vietnam War, which really radicalized the group, not just the SES, but people like the Black Panthers, for example. But the, the weather, why the other weather underground were interesting is that they were some of the most attractive and some of the most charismatic figures of the SDS, people like Bill Ayers, people like Bernadine Dawn. Bernadine Dawn was known for her wild uh, sex appeal. Everybody sort of wanted her. And the Weather Underground were, the way the Weather Underground related to the SDS was quite interesting. The, the Weather Underground went underground, the group of students uh, who went underground and just became fugitives and, and started a, a massive bombing campaign all around America. They, they bombed in Greenwich. They bombed the Pentagon. They, 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 they bombed statues in Chicago, things like that. A massive bombing campaign that went over for years. But the, the links between the other weather and the SDS was that the SDS had the same ideology. And in many ways, they believed in the same views about revolutionary change, same views about people not being the, the true selves. But the Weather Underground, they, they had these sort of initiation initiations ceremonies. So they would go into houses, they would they would go into parks and stuff, and and um, members who wanted who were part of the SES but wanted to be part of the 
when they were underground, would go through a strict programmatic regime of hazing. People would have to um, sleep with other people that they hadn't been sleeping with before. People in established relationships would have to sleep with other people. And if you were able to sort of withstand all of this, I would say, a programming that was able to remove all of your individual uh, interests and all your individual personalities and all your individual relationships and then gnaw you down to this 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 figure that was just part of this this group then you could be a member of the weather underground and from there you were able to you know go around you you sort of lived underground in some people's houses you went all over the america and then you sort of planned some of these bombing campaigns and, and and I think it's quite interesting because the broad SDS in, in the broad SDS people were not really interested in in violent revolution and I think the the structure of the weather around the ground or, or the, the weaning out of people who weren't really um, capable of this allowed the weather around the ground to really become a political cult and a political cult that was deeply embedded in the changes that were happening in American society at the time. Let's just put aside the actions of the Weather Underground for one minute. If you look at the actual platform of the Weather Underground, it sounds very similar to the things that people are fighting for right now. You know, you know, equality and end to racial discrimination, feminism, you know, um, a, a sort of a communist idea about the economy. So talk to me about the way that they recruited people. Well, I think they they recruited basically from the the SDS, and I, I think the the general recruitment was a lot of people who sort of were in the same circles, read the same books, but then the recruitment required a strict um, and sort of long process of hazing people. So they would they would shout at people. They would sort of talk about um, you know that how they were not part of uh, the how they were not pure members of of the of the group, and they would also try to uh, as I mentioned to sort of switch people who had been in established relationships with people with with other people. I think that kind of recruitment required a special kind of person so i mean there was a lot of people outside of the sort of the the deep uh, concentric circle that contained the world who shared the same ideology and gave them payments and, and allowed some of the most charismatic members like bill Ayers and bernadine dawn to live quite well underground but were not capable of you know going through this programmatic recruitment process the best way to describe the weather underground is to describe a radicalization process. So let's talk about what that radicalization process looked like. Well, I, I think you have to, first you have to think about other groups that were around at the time and like the Black Panthers. And, and, and these groups, in many ways, they, they based themselves on sort of guerrilla-type, revolutionary, um, wartime groups all around the world at the time. The Viet Cong were a great inspiration. The sort of the, 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 the civil rights forces in Al Algeria were a great in inspiration. 
And I think that that was the basis of a lot of the modeling for this kind of group. So, so, so it was it, so they saw themselves really as an insurgency with the deep millenarian view of changing society and changing society through violent force. So, I mean, they, as you said, you know, they have uh, groups, uh, views on integration, views on um, the, the, the prison system that are sort of very much in line with what uh, leftists uh, think. And, um, but I would say that, for example, a lot of weather underground sort of practices and a lot of modeling were on I, I would say strictly quite sociopathic type characters. I, um, I, the some of the characters that they model themselves on were prisoners. Um, they they uh, pe- people in Alcatraz, people in New York prisons that they they saw prisoners as almost like a fifth column, and they would uh, get into almost like um, they would sort of look into prisons they would talk to prisoners and they would um, sort of try to copy many of the, the methods and some of the prisoners uh, wrote books like Soul on Ice that the members of the weather underground copied and tried to emulate and I, I think that the the whole process was trying to create from people who were basically like they many of them were sort of uh, middle class uh, or upper middle class uh, uh, people who gone to Colombia and who were from sort of uh, middle class Jewish families in New York and things like that and they, they were trying to create or trying to get the, the kinds of people who w- would become insurgents so you so you had people blowing up um, like a Greenwich Village townhouses and and actually killing them themselves in the process and and, and you can imagine going from so it was just a, a college student in the SDS to being capable of doing that requires a significant amount of deprogramming and uh, sort of uh, and recreating a personality and 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 uh, many sort of wealthy uh, Republicans. I think one of the the members who died in the Greenwich Village townhouse uh, father was uh, a sort of a, a wealthy uh, Republican in, from um, New York and, and Connecticut. And um, you can see that that there was they were sort of taking away the flower of this um, of this bourgeois youth at the time and and. and completely changing them into uh, different people altogether. So the Weather Underground eventually came under the watchful eye of the FBI. To unlock the rest of this episode, visit patreon.com forward slash K-A-R-E-N-G-E-I-E-R. It's only $5 to unlock over 20 hours of content.